In this podcast episode, I'm going to answer a bunch of your questions regarding pricing. So if you're having a hard time figuring out what to price, if you maybe want to take on some dealership work, this episode is for you. And before we get started with this podcast episode, I do want to mention that tomorrow, Friday, November 18th, I am opening up enrollment into my online marketing course, SEO for Detailers. So SEO is search engine optimization. That's when you rank your website on the first page of Google in your local area for targeted keywords. So let's say you're in Austin. You don't want to rank for keywords like Austin Auto Detailing, Austin Car Detailing, or Austin Paint Correction because every single month there's hundreds and depending on where you live, thousands of searches per month in your area for someone that offers detailing services. So you can click the link down below if you're watching this on YouTube or check the show notes to get on the waiting list as it's opening up tomorrow and you'll be the first one to be notified when the doors open up. So let's go ahead and get started with this episode. And welcome back to another podcast episode. Hopefully you're having a fantastic day. Today is Monday. It's actually like 7.30 right now recording a somewhat late podcast so I can make sure I have this out to you on time. So in this episode, we're going to, I'm basically answering some pricing questions. So this one is dedicated to just pricing for uh, at least it has something to do with pricing. Um, these are questions that I got from either Instagram, email, or on actually just those two things. So again, if you ever have a, a question, I'm, not, I'm most likely not going to respond to you, but I will screenshot it or I'll save it in my notes. And then at some point I'll answer it in a podcast or YouTube video or something um, so always, you know, send me a DM, shoot, your, shoot your shot and send me a DM of asking whatever question. And if, if you do give me more context on your situation, that helps me give you a better answer. Because if you just ask me like, hey, so how do I grow my business? Like I already have a thousand episodes and videos on that. But if you ask me, hey, I have, you know, spent $400 on Facebook ads and I'm getting these many leads, but they're not converting. I've only bugged two people. Each one was 200 bucks. What do you, you know, just give more context into your question so I can give you a better answer. I mean, the, the saying goes, if you want better answers, ask better questions. So, okay. So anyways, it's basically a Q&A. So I have these questions lined up. I'm just going to read them, read you the question, and then I'll give you my feedback on the question. So this one here says, um, there's a car group that wants me to be their dedicated detailer. They said if we can work out some type of a deal where I give them a discount and they'll rep me as their detailer, would this be a good deal to do? So on this one, it I would say it's a great thing to get involved with a car group, car enthusiast or whatever kind of car group it is, trucks, whatever, motorcycles, because they are, if they're actually like an active group where they're going to car meets, they're going to car shows, they talk with other car people, this can definitely help you out with referrals and word of mouth. So on this one, there's no perfect way, but yes, if you could kind of, um, if there's a way where you can be like their preferred detailer and one, they bring you their vehicles and you give them like a 20% discount. And if they're always like in the circuit in your local area and they're going to different shows, like they will get asked like, Hey, how'd you make a car look so good? And then they can refer you there. So it's really just like talking to them, right? And I would really say like make sure that they're actually active. Like have they posted a lot of photos from other car meets and car shows that they've gone to? Like are they like are they actually active in the car scene in your area? That's very important. Um, because like and if they have like a big following, like 10, 15, 25,000 followers on Instagram, it can definitely help for sure. Um, but that's that could be a little like 
you won't know until you try it out. But like if that if most of their following is like out of state or out of city, then like it doesn't really matter because most of those followers are not in their area. But again, if they are active, if they're always in the car scene, if they're posting reels and photos about their vehicles, um, it's a very high chance that a lot of those followers are also in your local area. So I would say yes, if if you can validate that they're active, if you got if you're like if you're gonna give them like whatever twenty percent off or anything over six hundred bucks. It could, it could definitely work out. Like, don't think about it so much as like, well, it's, it's more like networking, right? Like, if they can get you into other car groups, right? Like, if they're talking to other car groups that have big following that, you know, like, I, I, it depends where you are. Because, like, here in Houston, we have a pretty big car scene. There's a lot of groups. There's a lot of events. There's a lot of car shows. There's a lot of things that go on in the car scene of, like, four trucks, four motorcycles, four, you know, uh, uh, JDM, four uh, muscle, for like, there's everything. So if it can connect you to another group and you just keep on getting referred to other people, that, yes, 100%, it can work. Hopefully, that points you in the right direction. Uh, question number two is, a company reached out saying they have an event coming up next month where they'll need 30-plus vehicles cleaned inside and out. It's just a quick wash and vacuuming. How would I go about pricing this? Okay, so on this one, I actually can't give you a good answer because every time that someone reaches out to us for a group kind of a group event where, hey, yeah, I just need you guys to, to wash a vehicle and clean it inside, we always say no. We have never done a group event. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying for the services that, that we offer, for what we want to do, that's never aligned with everything else that we're doing, right? So um, I think it's been like at least, um, I don't know, I can't put like around 10 times that we've had someone reach out to us. And this is over a year, so it doesn't happen often. But there's been times when people ask like, hey, can you handle our fleet? Hey, can you do this group event? And we always just tell them, hey, like we're not set up for that kind of, um, for that kind of event. We don't, we're not really into volume car washing. And we just tell them we don't. And is that leaving money on the table? I mean, if, if you're set up for it, if that's what you're going for, then yeah, but that's not what we're going after, right? Like we want to go after the more like quote unquote retail work where it's one vehicle, each vehicle is going to be between like, you know, 200 to 600 to, you know, depending on the services, 600 to 1200. And if we throw in a group event with, you know, 15 vehicles, 30 vehicles, if we're going out there and maintaining a fleet of trucks, like it's not aligned with everything else that we're doing and it's more of a distraction. And although the money might seem well right there, long-term, it's going to slow us down in attracting the other customers that, that we want that are paying that premium price that are our ideal customers. So for us, we turn it down. Now, that's probably not the answer that you want, but maybe that's the answer that you really need to think about because if you're doing more kind of retail work where it's like they're paying you for the correction, the coatings, the interior cleaning, is that aligned with everything else that you're doing? Like 95% of your work is, you know, retail work, whatever that is. And then it's like, oh yeah, and then we do these fleet washes. And it's like, is that the best move? Right? I'm not saying it is, not, or it's not. I'm just saying like, strategically speaking, right? Big picture over the next six months, like is this going to add or take away from your overall strategy to hit your goal, your revenue, whatever goal that might be. So again, my best answer that I can give you based on my experience is that we don't take those on. Okay, so next question here is a dealership reached out to us about sending us 10 cars per month to clean up. How do we go about setting a price per car? I'm supposed to go there tomorrow and work out the details. Okay, so this is going to kind of, I wanted to include this one here because it's kind of like the first, the, the previous question. But here, I've heard 
horror story. Well, I don't want to call it horror story, but I've heard many bad stories about a dealership supposed to send you two cars a day, 10 cars a week, 10 cars a month. And you're like, you're, you're setting up for this. You're, you're ready to take on the work. You get a shop, you get a mobile van, you get, you know, you kind of get set up and set up the, the, the infrastructure to, to take on the work. And then they end up not sending you any work or it was agreed upon that you guys were going to do a vehicle for $150 and they're going to send you five vehicles per week. And then they're like, hey, actually, we're going to send you, you know, three cars a week. And can you actually do it for $100 now? That I've heard that story time and time again. Or, you know, you might you might have this account. You've been doing it for six months. You hire some people just to manage that account. And then another detailer comes by. They do it for, you know, uh, even cheaper price and you're doing it and then they cut you out and they go with that other de- other detailer. So again, unless you have the system set up, unless you're like going to dealership after dealership after dealership, I or we stay away from that kind of work. Dealerships want the most done for the least amount of money. You're not going to get a premium price point for a dealership. You're not going to get that high ticket item with a dealership. You have to focus on volume. You have to be able to take on more and more work. And the problem with that is that you're focused on taking on more work, right? Because the more work you can take, uh, the more money you're going to make. And you focus on turnaround time. You're focused on, hey, in and out. But the problem becomes then, the problem becomes your main focus is just to turn around more vehicles from that dealership. So if your plan is, okay, we're going to get one dealership and we're going to keep on compounding that. Let's get another one. Let's get another one. And not, like you're just like turning out these vehicles because it's a low cost service. But the game is volume, so you're going after that. Unless you're doing that, I would not advise dealership work. It's like, it looks good on paper, like, oh, they're going to send us 10 cars per, per, per month, and they're going to, you know, we're going to get it to around $150. So, oh, that's an easy, what is that, $1,500 per month now that we can add to, to our services, to our revenue. And it's like, on paper, it looks good. But then when they send you the vehicles, and they're really dirty, and then you're like, oh, man, this is going to take forever. And you start cutting corners because you want to meet that quota, but then... Once you turn in the vehicle, the dealership is like, hey, you guys missed a lot of spots. Like, can you come and do this? Can you come and do that? And now you're just like, we're not even making money in here. Like, we did 10 cars. Yeah, we made whatever, 1500 whatever that, you know, whatever you're charging them. And it's like, it's not worth it. That's literally just two, cu- two retail customers if we just focus our, our time and attention on that, you know? So, again, I'm going to say it, same thing as the previous one where we don't do that. If a dealership comes to us... We're not going to take them on. It's just too much, like too much of a hassle to keep up with the volume. And the big gripe, of course, is they want the most done for the little, for, for, for the fewest uh, dollars, right? So they want the most work at the cheapest price. That's usually not a good, uh, a, a good strategy. Okay. So next question here is I need help pricing a two-step paint correction on a Dodge Ram 1500. The customer just picked it up and wants to shine it up. Should I include a coating? Do I charge more for that? So the way we do all our services, for the most part, depending on how the customer asks us, is everything is separate. So if a customer says, um, hey, I want my car polished, we will start the conversation of what? Of are you just looking for a polish or do you want to get polished? And, and I'm keeping things very general here. We have like a full template and everything. But we say, hey, do you want a, um, are you looking to just remove a, because it really depends on where they are like not many people know the terminology paint correction, polishing, compounding, cutting, buffing, polish, like refine. Like they don't know these jargon words that we use as detailers. So when someone says like, hey, like I, I want to shine up my car or hey, I want to remove scratches out of my paint. 
like the first thing we always ask is like, are you looking for a, do you, do you want to remove a specific scratch out of a specific panel, right? Like there was a key mark or like someone scuffed the, the, the rear quarter panel, or are you looking to get your whole vehicle done? We just want to like, that's the first thing we want to figure out. Are you talking about a single scratch or are you trying to get the entire vehicle polished? So after that, um, and typically with corrections and coatings, those conversations take a bit longer because there's more of an explanation. There's more of a, here's our entire process. Here's why it's this much. So like booking a, a, you know, $250 interior detail, it's much different than booking in a, you know, $1,400 detail as far as the communication, right? It like, if we're emailing someone, it might take like five emails for us to book that customer in. For a correction coding, it might go to like 8 to 12 just because there's a bit more uh, explaining. There's more of a process. They have more questions. Um, scheduling is a little different because it takes two days versus like three hours to complete. Um, so on that one, should you include a coding? If if they said, hey, I want to get my car polished and protected, then yes, like we assume you want a coding. So we're going to we're going to bundle everything together. So on an email, we might say like, hey, to, to get the vehicle um uh, you know, polished and coded, it's going to be, you know, whatever, $1,800. And if they say like, if they're like, oh, that's too much, is there whatever, whatever, then we'll break it down. But like, we really try to go off of what the customer has in their mind to make it easier for them. Like if they say, hey, I want a coding done, right? Like they don't mention the, the, the polishing, but they say, hey, I want a coding on my vehicle. Do you offer that? We say, yes, we do. Before we can apply the coding, we do have to polish the paint based on the condition of the vehicle and what your goals are, here are the two options. And then we list like a one step and a two step. Um, and then like we, we, we include a six year coding. So we'll give them the final price of like, Hey, to get a coding done and to get it polished and coded, it's going to be, you know, $1,200. And then we'll go into the conversation after that. Because like when you, when you think about like selling your services, it's usually just like the, the first main response that you do. And after that, like you're just answering their questions. Uh, that, that's why, that's why like, I, I really stay away from like saying we're salesmen or salespeople because if you have, if, if you have a lot of things done right, like your, your website or maybe your Instagram, maybe an ad, like a lot of the work is already done as far as what the customer has like researched and what they need. And they kind of just have like a last few set of questions. Um, so again, like with that one, it, it takes a bit more work. Just, it depends where, like where they are in their customer journey. Like if you go back, I don't know if I posted it already, but I, I, I posted this on Instagram and I have a, I have a podcast episode or I already posted the podcast episode of the customer graph of how we focus on the green zone. And as a quick recap, like the green zone customers are the ones that know what they want. They want to hire a reputable detailer and they're willing to pay for it now. And then you have the red zone customers that don't care for a high quality detail. They want something fast and cheap and they don't want to spend more than a hundred bucks for a service, right? So if we see that the customer is in the green zone, then the way we communicate and talk is going to be different than someone that's like in the red zone because like how we talk, the process that we talk about, like, um, like it's just going to be different. So it really depends on how the customer is talking to us and we'll see what route we take. Because someone, sometimes they might say, hey, I want my car coded. Do you offer that? That's going to be like a different kind of communication that we do. If they say, hey, I want to get the swirls out of my paint. Okay, are you just referring to one scratch? Do you want the whole vehicle done? Let's go into that conversation, right? Because then they might be saying, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> there's like uh, 
the clear coat is chipping off and they think, oh, th- that could be polished out, right? So we're going to go through that conversation. So so my, I guess the, the, the overall answer is like, it's really going to take, take time for you to develop your, your specific sales strategy as far as how you communicate with customers. It's not a one size fits all. Don't think like, hey, I'm just going to say these words exactly and it's going to work every single time. You have to listen to the customer. And, and this is like for any service, right? You listen to the customer, you ask more questions, you see what they want, and you offer options based on, on, on that, right? Um, it's, it's not just about trying to get the, you know, trying to sell the, the, the highest package or, or service that you can. It's like, what does the customer want? What's their budget? What's their goal? You know, and, 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 and then go from there. It's basically just asking questions and then giving them the best answer that you can for what you're able to, uh, to offer. Hopefully that helps. That, that, that makes sense. Okay, so let's go to the next question here. Um, are customers worried that if you give them a price range, you're just going to go and end up charging the higher amounts? Have you had any problems with this? Um, that's a good question because uh, I've actually, of not that we've had a customer customers like question why is it on the higher end, but I guess sometimes customers just want, like anything, customers want it on the lower end. But again, that comes down to communication. So when we're booking a customer, we're going to say, you know, hey, for the interior cleaning, it's going to be between 220 to 260. If it's not that bad, it's on the lower end. If it takes more work, it's on the higher end. And we'll ask for for photos, right, um, to say, hey, if you want a more accurate price, please send us photos and we can give you a more accurate number. Um, but for us, like, I don't think we ever had a, a customer say like, hey, you're charging, you know, 260, but I think it should be 220. Like we've never had that. And again, once we get to the job sites, if we're mobile, if, when we go to the job site and we confirm the condition with the customer and we give them the final price, we're going to say like, hey, it's going to be 260. And the customer's like, oh, 260, I thought it'd be more like 220. And that's when we, we go and explain, oh, yes, like for 220, it's going to be like, you know, you have pet hair or like there's a lot of stains in this. So like we're going to do more pass or whatever, whatever. So we're going to explain it before we actually get started. So as you see, like th- there's no like surprise to the customer. We're gonna clearly communicate over the phone or email the range. When we get there, we're gonna and we're gonna ask for photos if they want to send us photos. When we get there, we're gonna confirm the, the the condition and then tell them the price right there before we get started. If they have any questions, we will talk about it and explain. So it's it's never like, oh, you're done with the service and you're charging two sixty. I thought that was gonna be two twenty. That's not gonna happen because there's a lot of other things put in place for us to make sure that doesn't happen. So for us, no, and then again, going back to what I just said about the green zone, yellow zone, red zone customers, if you're focusing on the right kind of customers, you're going to greatly mitigate that kind of occurrence happening because you just, you have better, or you have your ideal customer that you're servicing. Um, So again, next question. Should I charge less for a two-door car versus a four-door car? So on this one, I talked about this in a podcast not too long ago where regardless of the vehicle, regardless of whatever service you're offering, you charge based on the size, condition, and what the customer wants, right? So if, like, so sometimes, yes, you will charge more for a a two-door car versus a four-door car. It just depends. Like, there's so many scenarios that you can play that, you know, I'm just going to leave it at that. Because, like, let's say if you have a, you know, a a Miata, right? That's a two-door car. Right. But then think, think about literally any other two door car um, off the top of my head. I can't really think about one, but think about now like a, a 350Z. It's still a two door car, but the 350Z is a bit bigger. Right. 
Or think about, oh, it's just a four-door truck, you know, like a full-size truck um, or a full crew cab. And it's like, okay, is that like, is that a a, a Toyota Tacoma, which is like not that big? It's, it's a mid-sized truck. And it's like, I have a Toyota Tacoma, so it's not that big. It's like, is that the first generation little taco trucks? Or is that like the the newer, like, and they're so small, don't get me wrong. But like, or is it like the the, the newer mid-sized trucks that are, are a bit bigger, you know? Or it's like saying, um, you know, or is it like a dually? You know, it's, it's still a four-door truck, don't get me wrong. But it's like, this is not an average-sized truck anymore, you know? So, it like, I don't look at it, we don't look at it as far as like, oh, it's two doors, so it's going to be cheaper, because it doesn't have four doors. It's not that. It's like, even if it's a small vehicle, right? So let's say now there is a Miata and then there is a Toyota Tacoma, right? One's a truck, four doors. One's a small little uh, two-door. But let's say the Miata is engine filthy, interior filthy, the, the paint swirled, holograms, um, wet sending marks. And then the truck is just getting, um, you know, an engine cleaning, it's like same services, um, but it's just in a much better condition, right? So like just off of that, I'm sorry, not, not same condition, but let's say it's like, it's like immaculate. So the Miata, super tiny, but terrible, terrible condition. Tacoma, immaculate condition, it's not going to take as much work. Yes, the Miata is far smaller, but the Tacoma, although bigger, is in immaculate condition. So it doesn't need that much, that much uh, time or attention to get it to where the customer wants it. That was like a little, you know, example all over the place. But you get the point where, yes, size might be different. Okay, but now look at condition. And then look at the what, what the customer is expecting or, or what they want. So whatever service, whatever vehicle, whatever high-end, average, 20000 200000 a Urus, uh, a Camry, doesn't matter. The service is based on the, on the, on the size, condition, and what the customer wants. So does that mean that for a Urus, you're going to charge more for a wash because you're doing the same steps as you would on a, you know, Honda Civic? Well, again, if your service, if your specific service means that you're cleaning the inner barrels, the tires, the wheels, the fenders, you're going to dress the trim on the exterior, you're going to whatever, whatever, right? And like on the Urus, it is going to take you longer because there's bigger panels and that because whatever, 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 it's like, yeah, you could charge more for the year. It's not because it's a high-end vehicle, but more so but your process when you're working on the Urus versus the Civic or whatever vehicle, there's a difference, right? So if, if we work on a, I don't know, the Urus, right? Like, are we charging a, a super different price than if we were working on a BMW X5? Not really, because like our process and what we do fits for every service that we're doing. And that's why we're charging, you know, whatever, $90 for a car wash, right? Um, So size, condition, what the customer wants. If for you specifically in your business, your process is different or you're doing things differently for this vehicle, not because it's so much high-end, but maybe there's a lot of curvature, maybe it's already, you know, protected and you don't want to add any sort, whatever, whatever. It's like, yeah, that if if you're going to do a different process and that process takes longer, then you charge more, but you don't charge more just because it's a bigger vehicle or it's a nicer vehicle or it's a more expensive vehicle. Hopefully that makes sense. I think I'll go ahead and end the episode right there. The next one 
is too long for me to read and it's going gonna, it's gonna to take too long for me to finish this episode. So I'm going to end the podcast episode right there. Hopefully you learned something. If you want to check out any of the links that I mentioned, you can check the show notes if you're watching this or if you're listening to this on, on, on audio only. Or if you're on YouTube, you can check the description box down below. And remember, if you want to check out my online marketing course, SEO for Detailers, make sure to get on the waiting list so you can be the first one to be notified when the doors open up tomorrow. Click the link down below or check the show notes. Thank you very much. And I'll talk to everyone on the next one. Bye-bye.